You're listening to On the Same Page, a podcast from the Jefferson Madison Regional Library. This is Steve Ashby. I'll be recording Ogden Nash's poem, The Bronx. This is a poem that defines succinctness. Poetry, after all, encourages brevity by wadding up imagery and ideas, chewing on them a bit, and then launching them explosively like a fourth grader's paper projectile. And so, here is The Bronx by Ogden Nash. The Bronx? No thonks. Welcome back to a new episode of On the Same Page, a podcast from the Jefferson Madison Regional Library System. I'm EJ, here with my co-host, Abby. That's right, I'm Abby. In today's episode, we're sharing how to grow, learn, and connect at all nine branches of JMRL. We're also having a poetry reading palooza. Thanks to Steve for that first poem right after the intro music. Here is your second poem. Hello, my name is Anne Lindberg, and I work at the Scottsville branch of JMRL, and I'm going to read a poem that I wrote. It's about spring and new possibilities and also about all the mysteries and how the natural world kind of contains all those new possibilities and mysteries. And the name of the poem is Spring. Spring. Every night I wait for Venus, and most nights she appears, peers through the trees, rests on a branch, shines bright, watches, waits, sinks lower. As dawn approaches, she covers herself with light and is gone by morning. Invisible, tracks I now see in the woods, perhaps a raccoon, and here, a deer. What was always there is now obvious. Air is new and cool, damp dew sparkles, everything is waking up. The morning dove calls three times, again, again, again. Tracks beckon down the bank, below the river rushes, laughing, singing, wet and unafraid. The question is, should I follow? Or maybe, how can you not feel hope when you smell the sweet, sweet onion grass, when the sun throws down a blanket of golden light and the birds rejoice? Now, without further ado, here's how you can grow, learn, and connect these next two weeks at JMRL. Visit the Bookmobile for Poem in Your Pocket Day, Thursday, April 27th. They will be driving the scheduled route for that day and handing out poems all along the way. At Central, Abby and I will be talking and teaching all about what it's like to produce this podcast on Tuesday, April 25th at 2 p.m. Come out and see us. At Crozet, tweens interested in cooking are invited to Come Hungry on Saturday, April 29th at 1130 because they will be making delicious and nutritious rainbow lunch bowls. Gordon Avenue Library, in partnership with Fraylin Art Museum, will be hosting Pictures and Pages at the Fraylin on Wednesday, May 3rd from 10 to 11 a.m. At Green, the Cookbook Book Club is meeting on Tuesday, April 25th from 6 to 8 p.m. Cook a dish from the book Milk Street Tuesday Nights by Christopher Kimball and bring to share with others. 
At Louisa, Abby will be leading the monthly writing club on Thursday, April 27th at 4 p.m. This month, attendees will hear from a panel of local authors all about publishing. At Nelson, there is an informative workshop event for teens all about pollinators tomorrow, Saturday, April 23rd at 1 p.m. At Northside, don't miss the Family Art Drop-In on Tuesday, April 25th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. At Scottsville, celebrate Earth Day all day tomorrow by dropping in anytime to make a cheerful sun catcher using recycled materials. As always, check the calendar to find more information and to register. And now, another poem. My name is Savia Willis. I am a reference librarian at the Northside Library. Here is my poem. Ancient blood runs deep within my veins, my soul connected to universes. The source of my being exists of stardust and old power. The rock orb I inhabit exerts my existence. I am made of negative and positive energy. Death and life hold grasp on my being. Distant energy fills through my veins. My ancestry is the universe. I have no one name. When I wrote this poem, I was thinking about my existence on this planet and of my history, my ancestry. I tend to think of life connected to everything, everywhere, all the time. I believe that we are all made of stardust. And so this poem was inspired by simply living and me wanting to ensure that my existence is noted one way or another through my poetry. All right, Abby, I know you are just as big a poetry nerd as I am. And coming up next week, we have a very special event that I know we are both excited for. That's right, EJ. I am a huge poetry nerd, just like you. And I am super excited for next Thursday, April 27th, to just roll around town and pick up my poem in a pocket. So in case you're not sure what Abby is even talking about, we're here to discuss Poem in Your Pocket Day. We'll be celebrating next Thursday, April 27th, and you can celebrate with us. There are a variety of places around where you can pick up your own rolled up poem in your pocket, including, of course, at all JMRL branches and the bookmobile. But Abby, do you want to tell our listeners some of the other places folks can find poems? Absolutely, I do, EJ. You can check out Botanical Fair, Chaps, and Mudhouse, all three of those being on the downtown mall. Then head over to Splendora's Gelato at Stonefield, or stop by Santera Martha Jefferson Hospital or UVA Medical Center. Visit the Discovery Museum and pick up some poems there as well. You can even find the library's poem in your pocket street team out and about all day on the 27th. There's poems for kids and adults and some for everyone in between to enjoy. We are super excited to participate in another year of poem in your pocket. 
These really are rolled up moments of joy that we cannot get enough of. We've done this for numerous years and every year, every person has unique response as soon as they get that poem. They can put it in their pocket, read it to themselves or aloud, share it with someone else. It will literally put a smile on your face and theirs. I totally agree, EJ. Poem in Your Pocket Day is just an amazing celebration of poetry, something we've been doing all month long here on the podcast. All of these poems are wrapped up and tied with a bow. They are just like a little gift of joy. Anything we can do to help foster joy, you know we are all in. So listeners, do you got joy? Do you got poetry? You will on April 27th. My name is Dr. Vivian Minkoff, M-I-N-C-K-O-F-F. I am a retired psychiatrist, but have also all my life done some writing and have been a technical and journal article writer. I have also been a grant writer. I've written a memoir available on Amazon. The title is Careworn. And I've just kept writing poems, rhyming and non-rhyming. And I would like to read one to you today, which is called The Ask. Sitting in the locked facility in its spacious dining hall, We are quite alone at dusk. The aides respect our privacy. Insight comes and goes, but now Sam's on an experimental pill. Today my husband realizes that his recall and judgment have waned. Nodding as we talk together, Sam then relates just how he feels, totally diminished and unable to see a path ahead. He beseeches me, entreating, pleading softly but intensely and repeating, please kill me. I am speechless. What to say? How can anyone respond to such a request? Life or death hangs breathless in the air between us with one voice, one binary choice. Through agonizing, crushing grief, I couldn't answer then or later. All we hear is heavy stillness. Where is God's beneficence? Sam doesn't want to keep going this way, while I can't tolerate his ending. Never before denying his wants, how can I ever, in mercy, kill? Staring blankly, my loved one patiently awaits my verdict. The blessing is, In these frozen moments, 
he forgets the question, though I never will. I uh, wrote this during the COVID pandemic, but it reflects an event that happened more than 20 years prior. And a lot of the things I have written are meant to look back as I age, as we all do, if we're lucky enough. And I would say that the majority are hoping somehow to connect with other people and ultimately to inspire resilience at living. And this next poem is by me, EJ, under my pen name, Jupiter. I did this as an exercise in speed and observational writing literally last night. So here is my speed written poem. It's called Trees. Everywhere around, the ground matches the sky. Seeing green surrounding the ring that I'm stuck in. It's the very thing I've been reminiscing about seeing green all around won't make sense without it being too tense how to feel about that seeing green all around it's okay it won't make a sound enjoy the quiet until it's time for us to riot protect the trees will be our cry until we are no longer denied And now it's time for The Rundown. Abby, what are you reading? Right now I am reading The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. I am reading Fire and Blood by George R.R. Martin. It's a journey. (laughs) What are you watching or listening to, Abby? Right now, I'm doing a lot of listening to meditations with my Mindful Mamas app. I would highly recommend this for moms, moms-to-be, or any human on the planet that would like a very encouraging, self-affirming meditation series. They are all about that kind of cheerleading, pep-talking, you got this, you're awesome, That's the vibe you get, and it's just so encouraging. So I love the app. It's a great meditation. I am watching the newest season of Ted Lasso, which is one of my favorite, favorite shows. What are you learning, Abby? This is a little bit of a stretch as far as learning, but I'm going to take learning in the direction of how am I challenging myself right now. And right now I'm challenging myself to a plank challenge. So every day in April, I do a one-minute plank. It gives me a lot of confidence to do that tiny little habit. We've talked about the, the tiny habits before on our podcast. And I'm really interested to see if I try another tiny habit in May because it's been really fun. Oh, I like that idea, Abby, a little tiny habit every month. I feel like this isn't learning either. And I just got sidetracked by your answer. <laughs> and I was thinking about all my tiny habits that I'm doing. And 
I've been trying to listen to an audiobook every day in April, and I so far have done it. It's really cool to just pop that on and know that I'm meeting another one of my reading challenges. But I digress. What am I learning? Um, learning, let's see. I'm learning a lot of <laughs> learning some ping pong techniques. My fiance is a big ping pong table tennis player, and he's been teaching me a few things. So, and just learning more to be in tune with my own body and stretching and, you know, more mindfulness movement. My surprise question is what is your favorite season and why? My favorite season is autumn in the fall. I really love sweater weather. Um, I know that's kind of a cliche now, but. I'm always cold, so I prefer it when it is a little bit chilly out so that I can have lots of layers and keep them on all day. But I love sweaters. I love hot tea. I love autumn colors. But I am finding a newfound appreciation for spring, not enjoying the allergy portion of spring, but I'm enjoying all the trees and the flowers and how beautiful the city is in the spring. So yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. My surprise question for you is, Abby, and I had a question before we came in here, and I think I'm going to switch it up now. So my my new surprise question is, if you could live in any setting of any book, what would it be? So like if you wanted to live during Game of Thrones or, you know, Harry Potter or Divergent or whatever, is there a particular setting of any book that you think you would you would thrive at? First of all, I just want to say that I love all of your example settings are scary. I would not want to live in any of those. Those are scary. <laughs> I mean, Harry Potter would be cool, but still also kind of scary. So I do. I have something in mind. This is this book is called The Summer Book by Tove Jansen. And this is a Finnish author. The book features an elderly person and a six-year-old child, and they are away for a summer on a tiny island in the Gulf of Finland. And it's a book of vignettes. It is very setting rich, but it's also very rich in these odd, eccentric, peculiar, oddball kind of moments that they share together as, as family. So I think also being in that world with the two of them and and this relationship that they share on opposite spectrums in terms of life, one just starting, one about to end, but they share this beautiful summer. So yeah, that that was a very interesting book, very different from anything I'd ever read, and it sticks with me. Either that or Bridge to Terabithia, which was my favorite children's book. And even though the rope swing led to the demise of Leslie, it still always held a special place in my heart, and I would like to swing on that rope swing. So listeners, Abby and I just decided that we are going to change the format of the rundown from now and forever so that we're going to actually answer our own surprise question because Abby was just asking me where I would want to live. And I was like, oh, well, we should just answer for listeners. So here is my answer for my question. Where would I want to live any setting of a book? I've got two in my head and they're both wildly different. So maybe I'll just give them both kind of like you did, Abby. The first one is The Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel, which I totally fangirled over all last year. So there's a colony on the moon 
And I think that would be super cool. And the other one is a historical fiction that kind of bounces between present day and historical, but it's like old Hollywood, the 40s, 50s, and 60s old Hollywood. And I just want to meet the characters in it. So I would want to be part of that life. And that book is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And here's Abby's answer. My favorite season. Well, my favorite season has always been fall. So same as you, autumn, as you put it. But I'm... I'm feeling now like it's a tie between fall and spring. I just have to pick those two seasons because my main thing is that I hate the extremes. I would rather have it be extremely hot, but even that is difficult to have extremely hot. And I don't like the cold of winter. Definitely mild seasons of spring and fall. All right, listeners, we have three more amazing poems for you. First, I jump into the fun with my current obsession, Ross Gay. Then we have a wonderful poem written by one of our local authors, Val, who is part of an amazing writing group that I run in Louisa. And then EJ, who we heard earlier in the episode, read one of her poems that she wrote herself. She's now going to contribute a poem by Nicole Seeley from the collection Ordinary Beast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next three poems in our Poetry Palooza. I am returning once again to Ross Gay. I will be reading a poem from his collection, Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude. This poem is called Ode to Buttoning and Unbuttoning My Shirt. No one knew, or at least I didn't know they knew, what the thin discs threaded here on my shirt might give me in terms of joy. This is not something to be taken lightly. The gift of buttoning one's shirt slowly, top to bottom, or bottom to top. Or sometimes the buttons will be on the other side, and I am a woman that morning. Slipping the glass through its slot, I tread differently that day, or some of it anyway. My conversations are different. And the car bomb slicing the air and the people in it for a quarter mile and the honeybee's legs furred with pollen mean another thing to me than on the other days, which too have been drizzled in this simplest of joys in this world of spaceships and subatomic this and that two, maybe three times a day, some days, I have the distinct pleasure of slowly untethering the one side from the other, which is like unbuckling a stack of vertebrae with delicacy. For I must only use the tips of my fingers with which I will one day close my mother's eyes. This is as delicate as we can be in this life practicing like this, giving the raft of our hands to the clumsy spider and blowing soft until she lifts her damp heft and crawls off. We practice like this, pushing the seed into the earth, like this, first in the morning, then at night, we practice sliding the bones home. Again, that was 
ode to buttoning and unbuttoning my shirt, which can be found in Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude, a book of poetry by Roske. Deities in my garden. Outfitted in my rugged jeans and gardening gloves, I play the part of Shiva, and I make believe that I decide what plants will thrive, what weeds will die. Until midsummer, when I see grasses choking out the beets, the corn grows too soon tall. Cantaloupes abort, tomatoes rot, Barren stalks play hosts to morning glory vines, and that is not at all what I had in mind. The joke's on me. I only think I have the power to create or to destroy. But wait. A golden tuber finds its way up through the mulch. One volunteer potato plant somehow survived last winter. And while I wasn't looking, kale has sprouted up beside the shoots of garlic. So I must let go, concede to higher consciousness than mine, release my garden into the hands of the divine, hoping Shiva is on good terms with Pachamama, whose fertility gives birth to all things planted in this earth. And may they both call upon the Roman goddess Ceres to ensure a harvest in the fall, Humans don't have much control of what goes on in gardens. You can dig and weed and plant and mulch. But in order to achieve success, you must invite in all the deities and get your garden blessed. This poem is called And from the collection Ordinary Beast by Nicole Seeley. Withstand pandemonium and scandalous nightstands, commanding candlelight, and quickstand, and Zinfandel, clandestine landmites, candy handfuls, and contraband, and handmade commandments and merchandise, second-hand husbands philandering, and landless, and vandal bandwagon slandered and branded, handwritten reprimands, and meander on an island, landscaped with chandeliers, abandoned handcuffs, standstills, and backhands, notwithstanding thousands of Orlanders and dandelions hand-picked, and sandalwood, and mandrake, in random demands, the bystander wanders in Wonderland. Thank you, listeners, for being part of this podcast community. We're so happy to have you. We hope you'll join us in taking a moment to thank the friends of the library who generously support this endeavor. If you'd like to learn more or join the friends, you can head to their website at jmrlfriends.org. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad to be on the same page. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. I want to give a special shout out to Denise, who's another one of my amazing Louisa County Writing Club members. She 
read this long narrative poem for you from the 1500s and just special shout out that she was able to commit the time and energy and effort to this poem. So before you sign off for the day, here's one final poem for you. Enjoy. Hello and greetings. I am Denise Luan Peters and I am a writer. I'm hoping to become a published author someday. I enjoy the Louisa Library and JMRL system because I can order books not only from our system, but from universities and colleges. I was able to use our local library to get books that I needed to research the Great Zimbabwe, obviously in Africa, as part of my research to write my first novel. Today I want to read to you an old poem. It comes from the 1500s. It's called The Beggar's Daughter of Bednall Green. Something you need to know about it is it's going to use the word angels. Now, it's not talking about heavenly creatures. It's talking about gold coins. It says in the back, the angel mentioned was a gold coin value about 10 shillings. It bore a figure of St. Michael on one side, a ship on the other, and was first coined by Edward IV in 1466. The Beggar's Daughter of Bednall Green, Part 1. It was a blind beggar had long lost his sight. He had a fair daughter, most pleasant and bright, and many a gallant brave suitor had she, for none was so comely as pretty Bessie. And though she was of favor most fair, yet seeing she was but a poor beggar's heir of ancient housekeepers despised was she, whose sons came as suitors to pretty Bessie. Wherefore, in great sorrow, fair Bessie did say, Good father and mother, let me go away to seek out my fortune, wherever it be. The suit then they granted to pretty Bessie. Then Bessie, that was of beauty so bright, all clad in gray russet, and late in the night from father and mother alone parted she, who sighed and sobbed for pretty Bessie. She went till she came to Stratford Le Beau, then knew not whither nor which way to go. With tears she lamented her hard destiny, so sad and so heavy was pretty Bessie. She kept on her journey until it was day, and went into Rumford along the highway, where at the Queen's arms entertained was she, so fair and well-favored was pretty Bessie. She had not been there one month to an end, but master and mistress and all was her friend. And every brave gallant that once did her see was straightway in love with pretty Bessie. Great gifts they did send her of silver and gold, 
and in their songs daily her love was extolled. Her beauty was blazed in every degree, so fair and so comely was pretty Bessie. The young men of Rumford in her had their joy. She showed herself courteous, but never too coy, and at their commandment still would she be, so fair and so comely was pretty Bessie. Four suitors at once unto her did go. They craved her favor, but still she said, No, I would not wish gentles to marry with me. Yet ever they honored pretty Bessie. The first of them was a gallant young knight, and he came unto her disguised in the night. The second, a gentleman of good degree who wooed and sued for pretty Bessie. A merchant of London, whose wealth was not small, was then the third suitor and proper withal. Her master's own son, the fourth man must be, who swore he would die for pretty Bessie. And if thou wilt marry with me, quoth the knight, I'll make thee a lady with joy and delight. My heart so enthralled by thy fair beauty, then grant me thy favor, my pretty Bessie. The gentleman said, Come, marry with me, in silks and in velvets my Bessie shall be. My heart lives distressed, oh, hear me, quoth he, and grant me thy love, my pretty Bessie. Let me be thy husband, the merchant did say. Thou shalt live in London, both gallant and gay. My ships shall bring home rich jewels for thee, and I will ever love pretty Bessie. Then Bessie, she sighed, and thus she did say, My father and mother, I mean to obey. First get their good will and be faithful to me, and you shall enjoy your pretty Bessie. To every one this answer she made, wherefore unto her their joyful said, This thing to fulfill we all do agree, but where dwells thy father, my pretty Bessie? My father, quoth she, is plain to be seen, the silly blind beggar of Bednall Green, that daily sits begging for charity, he is the good father of pretty Bessie. His marks and his tokens are known full well, he always is led with a dog and a bell. A silly old man, God knoweth is he, yet he is the father of pretty Bessie. Nay, then, quoth the merchant, thou art not for me, nor, quoth the inholder, my wife shall not be. I loathe, said the gentle, a beggar's degree, and therefore adieu, my pretty Bessie. Why, then, quoth the knight, hap better or worse, I weigh not true love by the weight of the purse, and beauty is beauty in every degree. Then welcome to me, my pretty Bessie. 
with thee to thy father, forthwith will I go. Nay, soft, quoth his kinsman, it must not be so. A poor beggar's daughter no lady shall be. Then take thy adieu of pretty Bessie. But soon after this, by break of the day, the knight had from Rumford stole Bessie away. The young men of Rumford, so sick as may be, rode after to fetch again pretty Bessie. As swift as the wind to ride, they were seen until they came near unto Bednall Green. And as the knight lighted most courteously, they all fought against him for pretty Bessie. But rescue came presently over the plain, or else the knight there for his love had been slain. This fray being ended, then straight he did see his kinsman came railing at pretty Bessie. Then spake the blind beggar, Although I be poor, yet rail not against my child at my own door. Though she be not decked in velvet and pearl, yet will I drop angels with you for my girl. And then, if my gold will better her birth and equal the gold that you lay on the earth, then neither rail nor grudge you to see the blind beggar's daughter a lady to be. But first, I will hear and have it well known, the gold that you drop shall be all your own. With that they replied, Contented we be. Then here's, quoth the beggar, for pretty Bessie. With that, an angel he cast on the ground, and dropped in angels full three thousand pound. And oftentimes it was proved most plain, for the gentleman's one, the beggar dropped twain. So as the place wherein they did sit, with gold it was covered every whit. The gentleman, then having dropped all his store, said, Now, beggar, hold, for I have no more. Thou hast fulfilled thy promise aright. Then Mary, quoth he, my girl to the night, and here, quoth he, I will now throw you down a hundred pounds more to buy her a gown. The gentlemen all that this treasure had seen admired the beggar of Bednall Green, and those that were her suitors before their flesh for very anger they tore. Thus was their Bessie matched to a knight and made a lady in others' despite. A fairer lady there never was seen than the blind beggar's daughter of Bethnal Green. But of her sumptuous marriage and feast, what brave lords and knights thither were pressed, the second fit shall forth to your sight with marvelous pleasure and wished delight. That's the end of the first part. I'm not going to read the second, but in it you find out that the blind beggar
had been a king, and he was, he fell in battle. He was sliced across the eyes, if I remember correctly, and a woman found him on the battlefield. She recognized him as the king and was able to get him to safety, and she cared for him, and he married her, and Bessie was their only child. This is a favorite poem of mine. I bought it in a book called The Book of British Ballads. It was printed in the 1800s, and I bought it on Charing Cross Road in London. Thank you for listening. My name again is Denise Lawan Peters.